That is the lovely Kahurangi Heta singing Etiariki off the album Kia Kaha by Link Church in Hamilton. If you haven't got yourself a copy yet, go and grab a copy off iTunes or grab a copy for someone else, or you can stream it off Spotify as well. Uh, no my hiding uh, my Kiko Neano, folks, to the Huya Come Home podcast. It's great to have you along. This week we've got a fantastic chat and some QA from the audience that earthed uh, with the former uh, Mayor of New Plymouth, Andrew Judd. Now most of you know, um, when we started off our podcast series last year, we started off with myself having a chat with Alistair Reese on the mayoral walk that Andrew Judd hosted down in Taranaki on State Highway 45 as we walked to Parihaka. It was a fantastic time. So it is a privilege uh, to have here on this podcast uh, Mayor Andrew, um, or ex-Mayor should I say, sharing his story. He, his story is, it really is profound and it, it, he cuts to the core of what it means for him to grow up as a Pākehā in New Zealand and just being told and taught really, really silly little white lies, really, um, that that eventually form large opinions. Now, the cool thing about um, about Andrew Judd is he's probably one of the most self-aware and self-assessing humans I've ever met. And you'll pick this up as you listen to his podcast. He asks fantastic questions about himself. Uh, and it's something that we can all learn from, actually. He, he really... Uh, questions his thinking and he really questions his actions um, and because he does that towards himself in a, in a you know in a non-threatening or non-judgmental way he really is non-judgmental towards other people which is quite profound considering he has been the recipient of uh, verbal abuse uh, emotional abuse um, political abuse he, even though he has received all of that raru raru coming his way, he does not give it back at all. And he understands where those positions are coming from because he considers himself to be a man who once stood in those shoes. So, um, look, have a listen to Andrew share his corridor. Um, we, 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 um, we close it out with some Q&A that came from the floor at uh, Owai Marae at Earth in 2016. Some of those questions are, are in audio, in audio, audio, are in audio, some of those questions you can't hear, <laughs> but um, um, have, a, have a listen anyway to his response and you'll pick up just what his responses are worth keeping in even though you can't actually pick up the, what the questions are but um, most of them you can so look, have, have a great listen Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa Ko pukaha te maunga Ko ruumahanga te awa Kei nā mutu te kāanga nuhu Ko Andrew Judd tuku ingoa You know, not so long ago somebody said to me they said, Andrew, you know, Mary's uh, lazy. 
Mary's uh, filling our jails. Mary's drag our health system down. Mary's don't know how to manage land, let alone money. Mary's are lucky that we saved them from themselves. Do you know who said that to me? I said that to me. My name is Andrew Judd and I am a recovering racist. (laughs) So... Thank you for the introduction, Chris, because yes, three years ago, I stood to be the mayor of New Plymouth, and my platform slogan was, let's bring honesty back to local politics. And the narrative for that for me was around financial expenditure, needs not wants, enough spending. That was my platform. I'd been a councillor for six years watching the, uh, the overspending. I'm in the job maybe... Six weeks and the phone, a phone call I get, and it's Hayden Jones out here in Waitara, or as I would have said, Waitara. <laughs> and they said, there's a protest of the leaseholders because their uh, Glasgow perpetual leases have come for renewal. And they're protesting the greedy council because somebody's rent has gone from $600 to $5,000. Are you going to come out for an interview? Of course I am. I'm the, I'm the, the mayor. You can't run the city from the office. You've got to go and be with your people. CEO says, don't go out there, Andrew. There is a, a settlement going on between Tiatiawa and the Crown, which includes the Pekka Pekka block. The what block? The Pekka Pekka block. Uh, so be it. I'm going out to see these people. Go out and meet the people here in Waitara. Protesting, yelling, screaming. Drive back to the office. Blimmin' Marys, I'm sick of this. When are we going to get over it? Enough is enough. I'm the mayor, I'm going to do something about it. Get back to the office and ask for some information. What's happening? Well, as we said to you, Mr. Mayor, they're going through, they've been Tiatiawa, and the Crown are going through a settlement negotiation, part of which is the Pekka Pekka block. It's best you to have no involvement. No, I need to know what's happening because those poor leaseholders are being ripped off. <laughs> so I was given some reading information. It was a document between the Crown and Tiatiawa of the settlement. Happened to open it up from this, the page of Tiatiawa's story. Started to read. Started to read some information of some facts and things I had no idea about. There it is in black and white. Uh, not only what happened, but how it happened. And I was in, th- I just couldn't put this down. Two hours went past. But I parked it and thought, yeah, well, anyway, we've still got to move on, don't we? No idea, right? Fast forward. Um, so Maui Pomaori Day. Who I said? Sumawi Pomari. Everyone knows about him, don't they? Well, no, what do I have to do? This is the message through my PA. Well, Sumawi Pomari Day, and you're invited as the mayor out to Omar Marae. Well, I've never been on a Marae in my life. Yet I'm the mayor, right? I'm invited out to this lovely fighting. I'm nervous because, well, what do you, what's going to happen? What happened, though, was a new journey for me. Coming into this house, something hit me like a wave. Something that I can't find words for, actually. But it started me on a journey of self-discovery. I started to break down barriers, brick walls. I had so many layers of, almost to my DNA, of how I was ingrained to think and feel and be towards all things Māori. I naturally went there. So I had to challenge myself because what was happening didn't match 
who I was. I was getting embraced, love, support, inclusion. So I rewound my life. I was raised in Masterton. I'm one of six children. My mother came out from Guernsey post the Second World War. Guernsey, a little island off the uh, French coast, was invaded by the Germans. They had to escape to England, went through the Blitz, got back to Guernsey, the world had changed, came out to New Zealand, ended up in Masterton. I know. You probably put it, that's right. Anyway, my mum meets my dad at St Matthew's Anglican Church in Masterton. Rock. Happening place, I tell you. And um, I said to my mum, you know, mum, I've, I've had these sorts of you know, feelings and I had no knowledge of anything. Yet we went to church all the time. I was in the choir. I was all the things, you know. I used to I'd lead the crucifix in and I was angelic and all those good Christian things. And I was confirmed by the bishop, went to Bible class, was a boy scout. Yet mum... I remember asking you once, and Dad, driving through a state housing area in Masterton, look at that house. They've got sheets for curtains. And someone said to me, it was you or Dad, don't steer, Andrew, it's rude to steer. They're Marys. I must have been nine. You know, I think, what was planted in a little boy, right? I don't know. Biking to school. You would say, now when you go past Cameron Block, it was called, make sure your lunch is at the bottom of your bag in case somebody steals it. Never happened, right? But what does that say to somebody growing up? She said to me, don't blame me. I didn't raise you racist. How could you say that? I'm so embarrassed that you're calling yourself a recovering racist. My friends are saying, what did you do, Jennifer? She says, when I met your dad at church, I was told, Marys have a gene missing. That's why they're savages. I said, Mum, this is recently, you just said that to me, but you didn't influence who I am, how I think and how I feel. You know, we go to um, St. Chad's Church here in, in New Plymouth. And I thought to myself, you know, I'd go every Sunday and... Do you know the truth of that, actually, Andrew, is you're just simply going through motions. Because I'd give money for the way off people struggling on some island somewhere. I'd have communion. I'd feel good. Yet I would have crossed the street to avoid Mary's. I would have, because I did. I was speaking recently at a Rotarian uh, uh, dinner club thing about why it's important to have representation on Council for Māori. And this lady says to me, I don't think you're a racist, Andrew. I just think you're misguided or maybe a mis misunderstood. Because if you were racist, you wouldn't, you'd say, I'm not going to test your eyes because you're Māori. That's a racist. And I said, well, no, true. That's, that is blatantly racist. But I know what I have done. That is, I've got out from around the counter to stand by someone who's Māori to make sure they don't nick something. You know, you can't be half pregnant. Because how did that person feel, right? It's degrees. So my journey continued on as, as mayor. 
And um, one of the ironies of, of life, I suppose, is that we also happen to be in what's called a representation review period. And all councils throughout New Zealand, by law, have to review your representation of uh, who represents the community at the council. And it's a requirement every six years. And you'll hear of things, and you'll know these things. You can have community boards, and whether you have ward councils, councillors. Generally, wards are, de are decided by geographical differences. And one of the things you can have is a Māori ward seat, just like we have with the government. Forward to that, I thought, well, because I spoke to some komatua, they said, well, that may be divisive. What we'd like, I've kind of jumped a bit here, I'm sorry, but what we'd like for, to, to have our voice at the table is a seat on your standing committees. Uh, it could be made up from, your hap, from the hapu, we'd have an election process, and it's the subcommittee that sits under the council. And you can do that by law. It's a natural thing to do, just like you may appoint an accountant to a risk and audit committee. So you're fulfilling the expertise you don't have. Councillors kicked it out. We lost it by one vote. You can't do that. That's, um, you know, that's having unelected people having a vote. Yeah, but I can have an Yeah, but that's different. So the next question was around the ward seat uh, question. I don't want to dwell on it too much because really the question around the ward was a catalyst, actually because it's not really the true answer to it. It's, it's better than nothing. It's all that's allowed in the system. It was the reaction to the question of inclusion. That reaction said more about who we are. The thing is, though, I recognised the reaction. I saw myself in that reaction. That's me. That's how I've been raised to think and feel. And I used to have all these answers that I thought were pretty smart and wise, intellectual, Christian. Because I've been raised to be able to have that privilege, right? I've never truly had to walk in another person's shoes. I thought I could. I prayed I'd, I would and did. But had I really? No, I never had. I'd never been challenged. So the journey, for me selfishly to say, as I started was, it was a journey of being honest to myself. And these are the questions I started to ask. Why, when I drove past a marae, I never looked? Why, when I saw a Māori flag, I'd feel apprehension and somewhat angry and bizarre feeling? Why, if what I thought was the truth, did I get so mad about our past? Truth doesn't make you angry, it sets you free. Yet I'd get really wild. Why did I think I knew how settlement money was being spent when I had no idea? How was it I got elected to be the mayor with never having been on a marae? Why is it I discover the story of Parihaka and had no idea? Why wasn't I taught that? Mum, why didn't we talk about this stuff? We talk about all of the Second World War stuff. Never what we did. Our ancestors did, actually. So I had to challenge that in myself. Why was I reacting like that? It's not normal, Andrew. A couple of years ago, is, there was a conference in China and uh, for optometry. Went over there, and of course I'm with the, the Kiwi crew. Not many English-speaking countries are at this conference. They sat us next to the Australians on the final night. You were to come dressed in your national costume to do a skit from your your own culture. <laughs> and we were mocking the Australians because they had hats with corks 
And we were saying, me included, look at you, you culturalist Australians, waltzing Matilda. And they're going, yeah, that's right. You keep, because we all had black shirts with a silver fern. And we were all male, pale, and definitely frail. And we're going to do the haka. So not only had I never been on a marae, I'd never actually done a haka. In fact, I don't think any of us had. So we're kind of making it up as we're queuing up behind the countries to do it. I know. It's sad, eh? And the guy that leads it, he says, oh, I had a few drinks. He led it with Tikawiti, Tamanui, Otrahonga, who? Look, I'm there doing that stuff. Flying home. You know, I thought, gee, Andrew, what is your culture? Because I'm not British. Can't even go back there. I'm not Māori. But I took something that's not mine. And not only did I take it, I disrespected it. And I mocked it. What does that say about me? Pretty racist, eh? Pretty ignorant, really, Andrew. No, you're not. You just that's how you were raised. I mean, go figure, it's not your fault. But you're 51 years old, Andrew. Have you never <laughs> taken ownership for anything? <laughs> oh no, get on. You've got to move on, mate. You've got to move on. We're all one now. Well, if we're all one, how come you don't know what the hucker is? <laughs> What's your culture then, Andrew? Maybe I can have a foot in both. I don't know. Okay, I'm a racist. I say that because it's true. Someone said to me, when will you ever be recovered? So that you don't have to say that anymore. And I said, that's a good question actually. But here's a, here's a true honest answer. Because the other day, the newsreader said that they were looking for somebody who was part Māori in connection to a crime. And I instantly thought of a tattooed hoodie gang member. Then I pulled myself up and thought, hang on a minute, if he's part Māori, what's his other part, and why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so no, I am recovering. It's true. I've been programmed to think a certain way every time. So it's an ongoing challenge. But I feel really, really blessed. Because actually, selfishly, I found the truth in myself that I was all those things. I've been embraced by a culture that was always next to me. That I just couldn't see from that ignorance that I was raised to be like. By my country, not my family. Just endorsed and supported by my family. Yeah? So the reaction. The reaction is so telling. But I feel blessed that I get challenged on it. I was driving to Hamilton and I called into Waitara here to get something to eat for lunch. And I go into the cafe here, queuing up. A Māori gentleman came over and said, I'm paying for that. I said, well, you can't do that. That's embarrassing. I'd be offended if you don't let me. Not many people stand up for my people. I'm paying for your lunch. Lovely, eh? It was really nice. I met his uh, wife and his uh, son. As I leave... There's this guy waiting for me, an elderly guy. I said, I've been waiting for you. I voted for you, for you, you know, son. And you were supposed to sort these natives out. We all hate you now. <laughs> so in an instant, it was a kiss and a slap. 
but a blessing. A blessing that I had the first experiencing and also a blessing for the second experience. Why? Because I am empowered to react a certain way. That's the gift I feel I've been given. Because the way in which you react to that is how you can change that. Not by arguing, because there's no end to the argument. Why? I used to argue that all the time with myself. I had every creative answer you could think of. Everything to justify who I thought I was. Because the only journey you have to take is the journey from within yourself. Because if you can't be honest to you, how on earth can you be honest to anyone else, right? And that's an individual journey. I can't accuse anyone of anything. I never could, would. I know I'm recovering as a racist. I don't know what's in your heart, sir, is what I said to him. I'm pleased you came up to me because I love to hear what you have to say and feel. Because everything you say to me is how I used to say and feel. But I've got to go now because I need my lunch. But all the best to you. Because <laughs> he left. He wanted to have an argument. So I kind of thought what we need to do, what I'd like us to do, is plant new seeds. Not the seeds that got planted into me. Stand up for what's right. Just as those prophets taught us. Amazing. How powerful. You know, the reason I think New Zealand has the harmony we do is because of Māori culture. The love of Māori has kept us loving and peaceful. It truly has. So I thank you for sharing some of my story. If that's... I could talk forever otherwise. There's so many examples of things. couple of questions and then people from this room but Andrew can just can you just tell me was during this journey that you went on was was there particular I I heard I think it's on a media thing a book you'd read or things that particularly helped influence can you just talk about yeah. the, some of the main influences on you in that time so when you're the mayor you get you get sent a lot of different uh, lit, books of literature I've been I was given a couple of bibles and I got one book called twisting the treaty and then I got a book called um, Healing Our History. And I started reading Twisting the Treaty. And it was horrible, actually. It was like, it was just full of anger and ugliness. So I put that book between the Bibles in the drawer. I thought, <laughs> you can, you'll sort that out, right? I'll leave you to it. <laughs> Stayed there for three years. It was great. And started reading Healing Our History. And, again, oh, gosh brought me to tears because I didn't know. I just did not know. Not, it was how things were done, the crimes of our ancestors. And I started to think, man, that's, you know, I used to say, and you hear, well, don't blame me, I didn't do it. I didn't take it. Jeez, move on. But what I do do is have the attitude to justify it. I have it through privilege. I have it through walking back from behind the counter to stand next to somebody who I think is inferior. Based on what? On what? 
you know, I go to church and pray. Man, I'm a hypocrite. So, and it wasn't just the book. Because I say to people, reading's one thing, and you can interpret things, right? You can write it however you like. Coming here, going to Parihaka, looking into the eyes of other souls and feeling it changed me. It put people to things. And by not having to, as even becoming the mayor, to engage in any way in a Māori world gave me the privilege of not having to do that. I could be a keyboard warrior or anything I wanted to be. Because I had the privilege of being in that majority, right? And I say, because I challenge the Crown on this, there is no obligation on anyone standing for public office to do any treaty training. It's insane. Yet I can be elected and say, I represent everyone. Of course I do. It's it's democracy, right? Andrew, with with the journey, obviously, as as a Christian, um, what were some of the good things to do with Christian people around you? What were some of the things that were actually, I know some of them, pretty challenging and pretty upsetting? Yep, so it's been a mixed journey of of, uh, Christian all sorts. Because, um, you know, some of the hardest things I've had to digest is from my Christian brothers and sisters. Um, I was just saying before, I have because I'd like analogies. If you imagine a building called Utopia and at the top floor is that we truly are connected as one. People will get on at the ground floor with me, but they eventually get off. You can see it in their eyes even. It comes out. A great Christian brother of mine just recently said, I know you're right, but, you know, when I went through varsity, a mate of mine, he got a Mary loan. It's not fair. They get privilege, mate. Anyway, come to Bible school this year. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like we never truly have that deeper understanding of what was taken and the effect that it, we still live with today. I said to my ears, right. There's plenty of Christian scholarships. Should that person get that? Does that, does that make you as angry? Plenty of wealthy people get money to go on scholarships. Do you get as angry as that? Why does he get so angry if it's a Maori scholarship? And do you actually even know where the money came from? I bet you don't. Andrew, it's obviously cost you a lot. You know, you've lost position. Is, is it worth it? Oh, look, I wouldn't do it. I'd, tenfold for me, I'd do it exactly the same. One of the things people say, just to elaborate a bit on that, is... Oh, you're gutless, actually, mate. You, you go as far as then you don't stand for the job anymore. You walked away. <laughs> the thing is, though, if you think about it, and I thought a lot about it, it's nothing to do with me. It's us, right? <laughs> because what was the alternative of a campaign? To prove a point on the question? Because that's what would have happened. Because Don Brash and his mates we were already gearing up to you know, stop Wacko Juddo. <laughs> and what that does is divide us. It divides us. It doesn't open our hearts to talk and connect. Nobody wins from that. The message it gives to the children, what, that doesn't change the seed. Yeah, you might prove a point and get the job or not, but it hasn't changed hearts and minds. There is more strength in saying, look, this is about all of us, not about Andrew Judd. I don't, it's, the job's just a title. It's about, what, you know, who are we? Let's find some peace. The prophets of Party and the people put their children out in front of guns, getting a bit of abuse. There's nothing. Um, Andrew, I know, I know this already been actually done. Just, I think people just need to know this. There is some Christians from this area. I think Alistair may have been part of it, but who've, who've been to Andrew, and you can talk about that if you like. But just to, on behalf of us as Christians, actually to say 
sorry, in the sense of some of the stuff that he received from Christians was just, was just like his background, a Christian, but all the stuff that came out of his background. And I just want to say again here, part of us being here is, is part of this journey too for us. Some of us have been on a little while, some are just learning. And what I love is there's a, a, a new generation, mm. I think, well, I know, that's here. And um, thank God that they don't have to have the same pair of glasses that some of us have walked through. And so on behalf of us too, I just want to, before other questions get answered, just, just to give you our araha and just tell you we have been praying for you. Thank you. And we're proud of you. And, um, yeah, and I, I just, I don't know what else, but just put our hands together and thank God for a prophetic voice. <laughs> Great. This is your opportunity to ask some questions. So again, if you can just <clears throat> ask questions rather than make statements, would be helpful. But um, <laughs> if, if you can do that, um, we'd really appreciate that. So this is your moment. Yes, pl please, Virginia. Yeah. So, um, thank you. That's, so, one of the things in the mealty was um, karakia at the meeting. And prior to getting the role, we would bring in the tokenistic Māori komata or somebody to do a karakia. So, one of the first things I thought was, well, that you've got to be authentic and real, and that's to learn a karakia, learn what, what it means. Just don't re repeat something repetitively. Understand what it's about, what its background is. Um, for me, connecting to that, this might sound odd, but I've found connection by driving up to the maunga and standing amongst the trees. Um, I'm not Māori, but I feel a sense of greater key New Zealandness by having opened my heart to take a step into a journey of love and care and respect of all things. There's a karakia that I just... I just loved the bits. He kororia kita atua e rongarawa. He monarongo kita finawa he fakaro pai ki na tangata katawa. And I just live by that because it does, you know, of course, some wānanga, some language, some understanding, correct pronunciation, but it's more than that. Because part of my journey was why do I always look for the maunga when I come home? Why do I well up at a haka at a rugby match. So how Māori am I without ever knowing that I was? And if that makes any sense to it. So it's a connection to all things. Hopefully that answers it. It's Another question. I'm sure there's plenty here today. And please be, be brave. Some of you feel free. Challenge, actually. Um, Andrew, had, it's, I know the hikoi te pariaka is a bit, it's a bit of a big topic to talk about, but what, can you talk about something that, wa, that surprised you on that? On the hikoi? On the hikoi, or even arriving at pariaka. So the hikoi, um, probably the, one of the biggest defining moments in my spiritual life, I have to, to say up front, because what that was about for me was saying, look, we have to be better than what we've just been through as far as the response to the question. The chains of admiralty are symbolic, they symbolise the office. 
And there were names on those chains that were present at the times that different chains were used. And the council is so British. It is so cold and archaic. It is so uncommunity to me. You can feel it, right? Just I could feel the that history. So let's walk to Parihaka. So th- a few things that come out to me. I don't like to tell tales, but this is part of the journey. My counsellors wanted to take a vote of no confidence in me. They had a meeting and decided none would join. Um, people driving past, some toots of encouragement, but some of other fingers. <laughs> but getting to Parihaka, the power of the atmosphere from the children, the love of acceptance from the people of Parihaka, really showed the spirit of the Lord that exists. And that's the power of where we need to be. My deep-seated hope is for Māori to be Māori. Because not only was land taken, but the ability to identify and be proud of who a person is, is the deeper evil. And that's what I mean by the privilege of my culture perpetuates by keeping it there through the attitude. So it's how do I break through? How do you break through that mindset? You know, how do I get back to this person who is so scared, who is so anxious and defensive, without conflict of a debate through a campaign to be elected. And it goes all the way through. I've been right up as far as John Key with this. Ended up, probably the hardest thing I've ever done, I guess, is writing to the United Nations Indigenous Treaty Rights against New Zealand. (laughs) I know. I'm proud as. I'm a proud Kiwi as. Whatever that's supposed to mean, I suppose. But I've just seen the hypocrisy of lies. It's like, because I'm Pākehā, I feel blessed to, because I'm just challenging back from my own. This is a Pākehā problem, not a Māori problem. We have to look at ourselves. We are the problem. And until we are honest enough as a culture, we will always keep Māori in that space, in our own minds. I want Māori to be, and they are, going to come be the saviour of New Zealand. Indigenous cultures through the world, I would I was saying before, if you think of it, the love and simplicity of, of uh, Indigenous peoples. But I'm quite happy to have the, the full on with people by throwing back exactly how I've been raised. Sorry, I can go on about the answer to it. But the Indigenous, so here's the seat, the seat thing, right? The Māori Ward seat. It is so full of lies and deceit because it's designed to not work. That's what I'm throwing back at the Crown or the government in that um, it's put there as an option. It's the only option that can go to a petition and a poll. Any other ward seat doesn't. 
and right up to the Minister of Local Government, and they say this to me, because I've got to have a chat with them about it. Um, I said to him, why is it that if a community decides to have the Māori ward seat, only that can go to a petition? Because none of the other seats do. And he said, and they say, well, no, that's right, it should, because it's race-based. It should go to a petition. So I say, well, if all due respect, if it's race-based, then why is it there as an option? Because you put it there as an option. It seems to me that it's only race-based if the council, uh, community wants to do it, or the council. And when the, uh, the Indigenous Treaty from the United Nations said to New Zealand, what are you doing to ensure Māori and Pacifica have a seat at council tables? A direct question. The government said, it's great. A community can have a Māori ward if they want. That hit me like a, a dart through the heart. Because I, for all of my life, thought, fair go, mate, she'll be right, underdog stuff. Unless you're Māori. Then we become something so different. Possibly. For me, though, it's actually a heart shift that I'm trying to find with people. And that's why I didn't campaign, because, again, I could prove the point and get the job, but you haven't changed hearts and minds. You haven't changed anything. That has to come from within. So I feel empowered to share my journey because it's like I say to people that, well, because I know people relate to me because that's the same, right, if you're Pākehā. Yeah. I'm only saying where I was safe to say it in amongst my own. I know people say stuff and do say stuff to me that they wouldn't say in, in a marae or they wouldn't say if they thought you were Māori. So you're not being honest with yourself. And this is people in my church. You know, we've just had a service for heaven's sake. And you'd beeline for me to, to have a go at me. But how do, you, how do you unpack that though? How do you unpack that, that you're not judging? How do you unpack that, that you still care and love? Because you have to, right? That's what we were taught from the prophets. Still resistance, but it's passive, loving resistance. It's the longer, lasting, true way. And the children are the saviour. I believe that too. question was, how has this affected family and business? So um, so I became quite protective of the family. So all the, the horrible stuff, there's some really, I mean, I mean, we don't want to dwell on that, right? Mm. But there's some, hor- there's some people that are really, the devil's in there, right? I, I, you've got to pray for that. But you do become a bit protective because some of it can be a bit scary because, it's, you know, you're intimidated. Uh, the business, look, I, was never, I don't like to say because, yeah, well, you know, people do what they do. Some people feel the need to leave you and leave you with a comment of how they view things. But, you know, money is money. End of the day, uh, you have to look at it in the mirror, right? And how ignorance, I th- ignorance is one thing. To then know, see it and ignore it would be not only to condone it, but would be part of it. So take it. Take the business. I don't care. The truth is the truth. The truth is there for all of us. And if I was to put that ahead of the truth, I, well, I, I couldn't, right? So, but I've been rewarded in ways that I just can't find words for, the peace walk. Hmm. What a reward. No amount of gold can buy that. Awesome. So one of the ironies of that is we fixed all that financial stuff as well, but of course that's all like... Um, we were down in, down in Dunedin for a local government conference, excuse me. And the only thing too is, of all places to have my final conference, Dunedin, where the prisoners were took. 
So I took the chains on the journey because there is a memorial by the caves and met with a komato there. And all my mural colleagues were on the same uh, conference. And I said, I'm going to do this. I've got some flowers and do you want to join me? And I doubt it. Um, and that night, one of my counsellors who was there with two of them, someone, one of them said, I think you should stand again. I think you've underestimated that you might get back. And the other counsellor said, are you kidding? Everyone's telling me to never vote for that nigger lover again. And I thought, the slogans always came up to me. I thought, no, I did stand up to my slogan. I stood with my slogan. It's funny how that words were, I used those words and they just drummed in my head all the time. Because you can imagine, that I sat, and it's true, I sat in the office and I stared out the window across at the Baptist Church, actually, and uh, had to decide, do I take the question of Māori Ward to the council or not? And I knew, if I do, that'll be it for me. Because I knew how this guy would have reacted to that guy. That's the personal selfish journey of being bringing honesty back to local politics. And, but that's so empowering. It's so liberating. Gosh, funny, eh? The truth sets you free. Go figure. Who said that? I'm just going to ask what sort of positive practical techniques you've used with Pākehā that you've seen positive change so it's something we can all take to our day-to-day to bring back to the culture to be... Because I try all the time, but it's always, you know, like trial and error. So if you've got any good ones... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I do. So I had a gentleman... It was all by email. From the very beginning till the very last day in my office, he would send me stuff, ugly stuff, about how he thought of me and how wrong I was. And getting towards the end of the... And I, all I would respond to him is, thank you for your view. I appreciate that that's how you see things. I obviously see it differently. I wasn't trying to sound flippant, but I'd never engaged in any kind of argument. And as I got closer to the end, he sent me one last... When he heard I'd been joined up to the Maori party, sent me this whole diet and stuff. But at the very end, he said, now here's the thing. I'm 69 years old. My wife is from Thailand. And my son has married a Māori woman of his, and I have a grandchild. And I thought, you know, he was arguing with himself, not me. So I said to him, that's really lovely to hear. Thank you for sharing some of who you are. At the end of the day, you and I probably will never agree on aspects of the past, and that's okay. But I'm sure one day your granddaughter will seek her truth as I seeked mine. And he came back and he says, well, thank you for that. I'd love to have a beer one day with you. So it just proved that peace is the, is the way. It's worth it. You get a free beer out of this. Well, well you know. <laughs> um, kia ora. I, this is kind of a specific question, maybe. Um, but I'm curious, um, with your experience, and you talked about... Um, learning about the Pika Pika block, mm. and we're in Waitara, and I'm from here, and I'm, I'm curious as to how you, um, what hope you might see here in that regard, or maybe that's optimism, but yeah. No, no. So here's something else, and it kind of relates to the lady's question about my journey. So I was doing the Wānanga course, and I've, I've resigned from it. So here's the thing. With the Crown, to me, 
because I, I got to observe in a meeting with Christopher Finlayson and some co other leaders of Te Atiawa, and part of my journey was watching the body language and the words used by the Crown to these poor people. And I picked up, there's no sincerity in your apology. It's all just about money. You know, if you've hurt someone in a relationship, uh, you can buy all the flowers and chocolates you like, but if you haven't talked about it and you're not truly sorry, it's not going to change a thing. But it's reflecting this person through money so that somehow we can get the some guilt thing we know at some level is wrong off our back so I can say, look, you've got your money now, go away. But then think, why are we still broken? What's wrong with you people? What's happened? So what I'm saying for that is that we have no sense of what was done. So we have no true sense in our heart of what we should do to repair. So the peka peka is broken because the system that we have divides Māori between hapu and iwi. It's horrendous. So, of course, there's division with what the proper way through for settlement actually is. For me personally, so I was, we're leading a local bill which allows, without a lot of detail, you probably know it, some of the freeholding, keep the money, blah, blah. I couldn't be in both, I couldn't speak out of both sides of my mouth because there was a protest against the Pekka Pekka bill from people I care and love. And I was with them, really. But I can't be with, I felt like Judas, actually, because I'm having to do something in my position as the mayor, which is causing more pain because I'm trying to find a way to try and find a solution down the road for the children and the grandchildren. The way to do that is things like we've, um, we purchased the PAR site, Kuhia PAR, so that we can start to educate and learn what was done so that in our hearts we have a sense of repair over time. Because I don't think, personally, nothing's full and final um, because we haven't addressed the evil that was done. We killed each other. We don't even acknowledge properly. You know, if you've had that, if you haven't talked about it properly, you can't move anywhere. That's not to name shame or blame. It's to, un to understand with your heart, not with your checkbook. Mm. I'm going to make this the last question, but if you do that, thank you. I don't think there's probably anyone who's walked the walk you've walked. And I just wonder, you've had so much time to think about it. You know, if anyone had a solution moving forward, you'd, you'd be it. Have you, have you come across something you feel that could shift it, you know? The hardest thing is to not fight. The hardest thing for me was to not seek the, the re-election. The most natural thing to do is to want to argue with the guy waiting outside the coffee shop. The only way forward is to be vulnerable, and the only way to do that is to be honest because there's nothing to fear with the truth. My shield always has been the truth as I feel it. Not just see it, but feel it. Because it's true, right? It'll set you free. And the only way is for, I would say, Christian family to stand up against the tyranny of evil. But it starts in yourself. You have to challenge yourself and release what may be the DNA planting that I had growing up as a Pākehā privileged New Zealander, privileged by race and culture. Does that answer that? Mai te kaha o te wairua tapu o te atua. Mai te kaha o te atama. Mai te katua te kaha o te papa. Kia ari te! Kia ari te! Uakia mau!